I'm going to ask you to join me in Psalm 22 today. It is a communion Sunday. And as a communion Sunday comes about four times, rarely, but sometimes five times a year, um, I like to spend the service focused in a sermon on a uh, passage dealing with the crucifixion or uh, sometimes the results of the crucifixion, how it means so much to us, especially as we're about to partake of the bread and the cup and remembrance of what Christ has done for us. We are in Psalm 22, and we've been doing this in Psalm 22 now for, I think, about two years on uh, Communion Sunday. Um, prior to that, we were in Isaiah 53, and we were there for a long time. So, these two passages just seem to speak to me um, quite a bit about what Christ did for us. And, and so, we're going to look at it again today. Psalm 22. Look with me. In, there are three verses today. Verse 4, verse 5, and then we're going to jump all the way down to verse 24. All right? Verse 4, verse 5, and then verse 24. Verse 4 says, In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. Verse 5, To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Then on to verse 24. He hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from them, but when he cried, when, but when he cried to him for help, he heard. Now, as I've been looking at this section, there are three phrases that I just read that kind of pop out that I want to address today. The word delivered, you saw it a couple of times. The word not disappointed, not words, really, not disappointed. And the word heard. And those three things are the responses that uh, we have come to know too concerning what Christ has done for us. These are the words of one who cries out to their Lord in distress. It's a testimony of really all who cry out to him except for one. One with a capital O. And that's what this psalm is all about. By design it was meant that he would not be delivered, that he would not be heard. We find that cry in the very first verse, don't we? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And this is what's interesting about the passage, is that we cry out for deliverance, and we will not be disappointed, because we are heard. And that is because when Jesus cried out from the cross, those very famous words concerning God and why have you forsaken me, he was not delivered. You see, this is what's interesting, is that it is not a failure on the Father's part that Jesus Christ died on a cross. Even when he cried out to those words, I'm sure it was... It broke the heart of God to hear the cries of his son from a cross. Had to have. I'm sure it was exceedingly difficult to remain silent. Or to even to turn your gaze away from your son as he suffers and dies on a cross. I, I just can't fathom that. 
No father has ever experienced anything as as soul-wrenching as what the Heavenly Father witnessed His Son enduring on that cross. But if the Father had heard His Son, if the Father had delivered His Son, there would be no deliverance for you. And there would be no deliverance for me. So when we talk about a cross, uh, it, it has a very graphic picture of the awfulness of sin. We take up a communion bread uh, or the cup and we're reminded that we're sinful beings. Many of you are very quiet during the ceremony because you're praying. You're talking to the Lord about the fact that we're sinful beings. We're making sure things are right between us. The fellowship is restored. All, all of this is about our sin. <laughs> it's hard to erase that, isn't it? It's the reality of, of what we do every time we come to this day. It'd be great if we could just get rid of sin just like that. If we could scrub it clean. But you can't pay to have it removed. No matter what you try... Sin's stain and sin's curse are etched on our minds and in our actions and in our souls. And taking up a cup or a piece of bread is a reminder of something. Every time we do it, we need it delivered. We need it delivered. Yet every time we talk about a cross, we also have a beautiful picture there too, don't we? A picture of grace and mercy so undeserved, so richly poured out for us. When we take up a cup, we take up the bread, we hear the words that I love to repeat. Jesus said, this broken body is for you. And this shed blood is for you. Those are two beautiful words, aren't they? That He would do that for us. This Psalm 22 We call it a Christological psalm or a crucifixion psalm. Uh, Much of the detail in it is prophetically spoken. In other words, as David wrote this, this wasn't his experience. (laughs) He probably felt like this at times. And usually he wrote in some moment of anguish. He had a lot in life to be uh, concerned about in difficult days, yes. But he couldn't have experienced literally what we read about in this passage without actually having been crucified. And David ever never was. It was the Holy Spirit that was leading him along to write the words that he wrote. The Holy Spirit was speaking beyond the life and beyond the times of David. And I just wonder when he got done with it and looked at it and said, Whoa, <laughs> who's this? <laughs> I thought I was writing about my experience. Uh, This goes far beyond what I've ever known. I think he was probably amazed at even the words himself. But it's such a graphic psalm. That's why I keep coming back to it. Just highlighting the fact that Jesus is deserted by his Father for the first and the only time in all of eternity on a cross. That's just stunning to me to try to comprehend that. The, the anguish of this psalm. Jesus is abandoned so that you can be saved. Let, let me play with that just a little. Because I didn't know how to go with 
titles for this. So I just wrote down about four or five or six, and I said, I can't stop. So Jesus was rejected so that you can be redeemed. Jesus was abandoned so that you could be adopted. Jesus was deserted so that you could be delivered. Jesus was sacrificed so that you could be saved. Boy, we could go all day on this one. Never minimize the cross, please. Never minimize the cross. Matter of fact, it is so big in the plan that God had in saving us that I don't think we could ever even exaggerate it. It's bigger than our words. It's bigger than our thoughts. And so as you know, as I highlight this fact that Jesus died for us, that he did it for us, I do this every time we pick up this bread or or pick up this drink. I encounter three words today with you. Delivered, not disappointed, and heard. Let's start in verse 4 for a few minutes here. If you, our fathers, trusted, they trusted in you, delivered them. You delivered them. Palaf, the Hebrew word here, to carry away safe. I kind of like that picture. To carry away safe. To cause to escape. To cause to slip out. Then you notice that maybe your text had it too in verse 5. It used the word delivered again. Guess what? Different Hebrew word. I think, well, that's kind of interesting. The first was Paulos. This one is Malos. And I think, that's an interesting combination. We have Paz and Maz. We got a Paulos and a Malos. And I thought, well, what's this one? This one is properly to make something smooth. And by implication, it means to escape as if by slipperiness. That's a long word to say, slipperiness. Cause to release or cause to rescue. The, the Legacy Standard Version, one of the newest ones out there, which I enjoy very much, says, And you, our fathers, trusted in you they trusted, and you rescued them. To you they cried out and were granted escape. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. I want to I look at something with you for this moment here about the deliverance nature of the Lord's work on our behalf. Keep your place here in Psalm 22 and jump over to Psalm 107. 107 is such a beautiful, beautiful psalm, the way it's uh, put together here. I like the title. The title, at least in my Bible, says something to the effect that, uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I just love that verse. That's right there in verse number two. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Honestly, if you've been redeemed, you've got something to say, don't you? And this is a praise psalm. And it comes through, all the way through, he gives, he gives snapshots, if you will, pictures of people who needed saved and how he saved them. And they're all called upon to say it. He's redeemed me. He's redeemed me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, verse 1 says. For He is good, and His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. So, picture one starts in verse number three. There's a group of people, I'm not going to go through all the words, but you can see it in your text. There's a group of people wandering in a desert. They don't think they're going to make it out. They're there and they're thirsty, they have no drink. They're there and they're hungry, they have no food. They're at the very end of their endurance. You could almost picture them just crawling inch by inch, wondering if they're ever going to get out of that spot. And they cry out, it says. And they cry out. In verse 6, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them by a straight way to an inhabited city. So let them give thanks to the Lord. I love the way the, the writer says that. Oh, they should definitely be thankful people. They survived that. Picture number two starts in verse 10. Here is a prisoner. He's in a, in a cell. He's chained up in that cell. The cell is dark. He can't get out. He's walled in. And yet he's in there because of his own sin. The consequence of something he's done. He's there. And there is no way out. He's given a life sentence of hard labor. There's no hope for him. And it says in verse 13, He cries out to the Lord in his trouble. And the Lord saves him out of his distress. He brought him out of the darkness and out of the shadow of death. And he broke the bands that were holding him apart. You think this guy wants to say thanks? Oh yes, Lord. Thank you. Let him give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. He shattered the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Picture three is an interesting guy. He's a fool. This fool here has made terrible, terrible decisions. And because of his decisions, he's gained in his physical body the consequences of his sin. Quite possibly, it's the diseases that is referenced here. And the diseases appear to be terminal. And what a wretched thing it is to think when you're undergoing such things like that. Such You caused it. And that's where they are. This fool who was rebellious because of their sins, now they can't even eat because of their illness. And it says in verse 19, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His word and He healed them. Healed them. They didn't deserve it. But whoever does, He saved them. Do you think they're going to give thanks? Oh, yes they are. Verse 21, let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness. Verse 22, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His works with joyful singing. How many times do you read in the Gospel when somebody like a leper is healed? Boy, he's got to run and tell everybody. Blind people have to tell people. The lame people have to tell people, Jesus healed me. And we have those pictures all over the pages of Scripture. I love reading them. I always get kind of teary-eyed when I, when I think how that must have felt to have been set free from the disease, 
set free from the, the end results that were coming their way. Because the Lord is good. Picture number four in this grouping. It starts in verse 23. It's a sailor. A group of sailors are out on the sea. And their boat is tossed around like it's made out of paper. It's just being thrown here and there. And the waves are so high that it lift them way up into the heavens. And suddenly the waves drop out from under the boat. And they look down and they feel like they can see the bottom of the ocean. And their ship comes crashing down. And they're suddenly being tossed back and forth. And is there any hope? (laughs) For those in the midst of it, they say, oh, we're doomed. There is no hope for us at all. And in verse number 28, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And guess what? He brought them out of their distresses. And he caused the storm to be still. I love that picture. I love the way Jesus did that in the Gospels too. In the midst of a storm. He just tell it, be still. Suddenly it stops. Do you think these people are going to say something? They come up to the shore. Guess what everybody hears who's on that dock? Wow! If only we could tell you what the Lord did for us. He delivered us. They were glad. They were glad. And they made it to their desired haven, it says in verse 30. Remember, the Lord is good. Let's give thanks for His loving kindness. The psalmist goes on to do this in various ways to the deliverance of a man who cries out to him. And when he gets down to the end of the psalm in verse 43, he says, Who is wise? Who is wise? Let him give heed to these things. And consider this. The loving kindness of the Lord. When we step into any picture concerning the cross, that should be the words written underneath it. The loving kindness of our Lord. This is how He delivered us. It's a constant theme in the Psalms to read of how the Lord Deserves our praise because of His loving kindness. Psalm 34 is one of my favorite psalms that I have. When I go often to the psalms and I say, I want to read one I love so much. It's Psalm 34 is there. And David is writing again. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and read. And rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. I love the testimony. He answered me and He delivered me from all my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. We can go on and on and on through the Psalms this way today. It's a beautiful thing. But here's what I like about it. Even as David is writing this Psalm, you may be asking, why? Why did the Lord give him this kind of attention? Why did the Lord give him deliverance? Why did the Lord even care? When he gets to verse 15, he answers the why. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. 
His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears. Aren't those sweet words? The Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. Here's the beauty. Ready? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Many who are brokenhearted think that the Lord has left them. Where was the Lord when I needed Him the most? Have you ever heard that before? When they're just crushed by something in life? It says here that He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him out of them all. Now you may be saying, well, I've never been in a desert. I've never been in the prison. I've never been given a terminal disease. I've never found myself at a storm and sea. Well, maybe not physically you've been through those kind of things. But maybe at times in your life you felt like you were. You felt like your day looked just like that. And maybe it's that way right now. Some of you might be feeling that even at this moment. Say, you know, my life is full of trouble. Full of trouble. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been saved by His blood, you are a rescued man or woman or child today. You are a rescued one. You have been delivered. As redeemed of the Lord, say so. So often we put our eyes on the waves and on the bars and on the chains and on the diseases, but we forget about the one who sets us free. The one who sets us free. Giving thanks to the Father, Colossians 1.12 says. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. How did we ever get qualified for such a position? He did it, not us. Did you fill out an application to be qualified as a uh, inheritor with the sons of light. Did you fill out any forms? No. He did that. He made it so that you would be a part of that. And then what's also beautiful, I love this in Colossians 1.13, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You ready for this? This picture is incredible. He rescued us. In the Greek, I love, you know, working with that language. Aorist tense is the verb, which means done in a single act. He didn't slowly slide you out of the domain of darkness. It wasn't some progressive thing, piece by piece. You know, I get an arm out today and an elbow out later, and maybe I make it to the shoulder by the end of the week. It's not like road construction. The Lord did it. And I love the way He says it. Done! He rescued us. Just put right next to it. Done! Because sometimes we sit there and say, well, Lord, you know, we're going to work our way toward this. He said, no, no, I, I snatched you. You don't snatch anybody in a slow way. You snatch them in a quick hurry. That's what He did. He knew we were in darkness, and that domain of darkness that held us, he 
snatched us out of there. In one fast act, he did it. One single act, he finished it. And then he transferred us. He actually changed the way you stand up. Because the word here is to change where you stand. He transferred us. Like Peter. Remember Peter in prison? He's asleep and he's chained up there between the guards. And an angel came and shook him and said, get up and go. Suddenly he's out in the street. And he's saying, what just happened? <laughs> Look around. How do I get out here? Is this a dream? The Lord rescued him. And translated him or transformed him or transferred him. Out of that place. Changed his standing. This is the redemption we have. This is the forgiveness of sins we have. When you start looking at the word deliverance and the power of that word, folks, the scripture is so beautiful. Each time it keeps enhancing it, enhancing it, enhancing it, so that we see the power of the word deliverance. I love the way Corey Ten Boom commented and said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. If you're sitting here this morning and say, but I'm different. I, I don't know if I can ever be delivered from whatever I'm in. You're not looking at the right place. Because our God specializes in deliverance. That He does. And that He does so incredibly well. I love to read the word deliverance. I want to add the other two because they go with it. He heard, and he, they are not disappointed. Let's start with the disappointed phrase first, in verse number 5. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. They were not utterly ashamed. You might have a translation like that. You were not utterly ashamed for trusting your soul to them. Here's the really depth of the word. You were not dried out. That's like something, you know, you pull it out of the ground, the plant. You set it on the sidewalk. Come back a few days later. What does it look like? Pretty bad shape, isn't it? It's all dried out. That's a picture of somebody who's ashamed or disappointed. They had hopes, but they're gone now. They're not dried out. You won't be. Your trust in the Lord is that which you will never, never be ashamed. If we could walk down this path for just a few minutes, it's so often restated in Scripture over and over and over again. Oh my God, he says in Psalm 25 two, In you I trust, do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Psalm 31 verse 1, in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Romans chapter 9, verse 33. It's also 1 Peter 2, 6, by the way. Same verse I quote there from Psalm 118. He says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Will not be disappointed. Scripture says in Romans 10, verse 11, Scripture says, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. Let me give you a picture, just for a thought. 
follow me with this. Someday your day will come too. It might be at the rapture of the church, which we're all hoping for. Or it might be that you will take your last breath on this earth. And you, because you have faith, you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you suddenly are transported into his presence. There you're standing in heaven. You can hear a chorus of angels singing, perhaps. The multitude of the redeemed are there giving praise to the Father, and you hear it, and you see it. And there you see the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he welcomes you home. And your first statement is, man, this isn't what I thought it'd be. Is it? Are you going to be disappointed on that moment? When you stand in his presence, are you going to say, ugh, I don't think so. Matter of fact, scripture says, our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard what he has in store for those on that day. We're, going to, we're not going to be disappointed. However, too often we set our focus on this world, and I don't know about you, but a lot of things in this world disappoint me. It's not going the way I planned it. Do you know that? Let me run the world for a while and see if it's different. You ever think you could do a better job? Maybe. But disappointment is just the key of life down here often and often. I'm reading Ecclesiastes right now, and if you want to be just bored or dis, uh, discouraged or maybe even depressed, reading the book of Ecclesiastes makes you realize, wow, what am I doing? You look at that question over and over. Life is hard, and then you do work so hard, and what's the end of it? Well, you're no different than the animals. You all die. It's like, oh, We say, there's a lot that could disappoint us. But here's the beauty of it. The way the Lord works in your life, you will never be disappointed. You will never be disappointed. We could talk about that for hours. I could show you scripture after scripture that you will never be disappointed for trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never be disappointed. Maybe you feel that today. Maybe you've been hoping for something or seeking something or waiting for something and it's not here yet and you think, oh, I'm so disappointed the Lord's let me down the Lord's timing is not your timing He works His way and you know what? I'll guarantee you this His answers aren't your answers either you may even present to Him the answers you want Him to take He's got a perfect plan And by that, I mean this. If his reasons are different than ours, his answers are different than ours, his timing is different than ours, do you know what? He's got something better than what you're thinking. Because that's the way he works. Would you be willing to trust him for the better? Remember Lazarus? Lazarus, the one who was sick. The Lazarus, that we read about in the scripture that he was so sick he died and Jesus arrived there four days later. The sisters cried out, you know what it was. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would have lived. 
They didn't know that his timing was perfect. They didn't realize that his answer was perfect. They didn't know that his reason was perfect. They were disappointed because Lazarus died. But do you think they were disappointed when he came out of the grave? I don't think so. See, I I read these things and, and I think about these things. But this is one quote I came across the other day and it's just been placed in my head and I can't get rid of it and I don't think I want to. I find it very useful when people are wondering, why does the Lord delay in answers? Why has he not moved me from one place or another? Why is it that he's left me here, wherever you're at, and you're struggling with it? And you say, why, Lord, am I still here? Why, why not someplace else? This is a quote I got. God has prepared a place for you. And he's prepared you for that place. Where you are right now is not an accident. It's an assignment. I go, ooh. How often have we used the word accidents or disappointments? And yet when we read in the text of Scripture, it says, the ones that the Lord rescues will not be disappointed. He's talking to your heart today. If you're struggling with things here, don't ever forget You won't be disappointed. Trust Him. Trust Him. Last one. We've got to get on to the rest of our service, but heard is the word I wanted to look at just for a minute. Really not enough time to cover this. This is really fantastic too. There are so many voices crying out today. The streets of our country and streets of other countries, and they speak as if they've never been heard. Nobody hears us. They have a cause, they have a dream, they have one distress or they have another, they want relief, and they're getting no answers. We read it in the news all the time. Do you know that the soul that cries out to the Lord, the cry of a lost one, the cry of a sinner chained and condemned, the ones who are spiritually helpless and spiritually hopeless and condemned, cry out to the Lord, and what does the text says? Say, he heard. He heard. He heard. The father heard when his son cried out that day from the cross. He heard those words, why have you forsaken me? He heard them, and yet he left his beloved son to suffer and to die so that he can always hear you. So that he can always hear your cry for deliverance. Solomon in his great prayer when he dedicated the temple in the Old Testament is that, Lord, if we sinned and we look to this place in prayer, hear us from heaven. And he goes on to say, forgive us of our sins and heal our land. And I kind of wonder if we can carry that picture a little further than just a temple back in the land of Israel. But just the fact that every sinner's cry is heard at the foot of a cross. That's where my soul was set free. Jesus took my place. 
Did he take yours too? Jesus took my place so that the Father could call me his own. There's nothing that sounds so wonderful in that phrase. He heard. He heard. That's why we come to a communion today. That's what we're talking about when we remember what Jesus has done for us. This is not just to mark a date on a calendar to make it a special day in our service just because it's a special day. But we're here because we've been delivered. We are here because we don't face disappointment. We have been heard and Jesus paid for our sins on a cross. He did this for you, didn't he? He did this for me. Is Jesus your Savior? Is he your Savior? Have you trusted him by faith? Only you know the answers to these questions. Do you realize that he died for you personally? Yes, you. Personally. He died for you. So that he can have your sins taken away and that someday you can spend eternity with him. If you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. You can trust Him right now where you are. You can talk to Him right now. He died for you. Tell Him that you need that. Tell Him that you believe that. Make it personal. Jesus is my Savior. Is He yours too? That's the one we're talking about right here at this communion service. And what he's done for us. He's delivered us. He has heard us. We will never be disappointed.